Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Baldry's beat Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the port strike day 13 here. Both sides now taking a look at some recommendations, right, for, for a settlement there. What's the latest? Well, they, they received the recommendations from the mediator yesterday at 1030, and they're given 24 hours to um, make a response. Accept or reject. We haven't. So it's now past ten. We still haven't heard anything from any of the parties. Uh, we don't know what's in the recommendations. The Globe and Mail, Brent Jang, reporter, is reporting a four-year contract is the recommendation, which sounds about right. Okay. Uh, the union was looking for a two-year deal. The employer was looking for a four-year deal. The, uh, just to review the positions, the union was looking for a seventeen percent wage increase over two years, plus an eight thousand dollar effective signing bonus. They call it an inflation allowance. The employer offering about 14% over four years. So big big gap there between the two. Now, the mediator will come down somewhere between those two. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a, a 20% wage increase over four years. Wow. Keep, keep pace with inflation. Um, I highly doubt the mediator is going to go along with an $8,000 bonus. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if there's some sort of uh, bonus attached to this as well. Then there's the issues of who does the maintenance work. That's a big bone of contention. The union wants to expand the number of their members who do maintenance work at the ports. Uh, the employer's argument, you don't have the skill set to repair rail lines, paving, stuff, that type of thing. But the employer did offer, I think on Sunday, uh, to send this out to sort of an arbitra- arbitration committee type yeah. thing for further study. So maybe that's in there, uh, part of the recommendations. And then there's automation, which I don't think the mediator is going to block in terms of uh, shifting to automation. But again, the clock is ticking. We're now you know, 20 minutes away from the deadline, but there's no guarantee we're going to hear anything from the parties today. What is supposed to happen at that deadline? Uh, they're supposed to give a response to the, to the, the federal labor minister. Okay. But it does, they don't have to hold a news conference and say yay or nay, but they have to tell the minister what their response is. And okay. then it'll be interesting if either side rejects or if both sides reject. Yeah. Uh, the, balls, the balls in the labor minister's court and the federal government's uh, Court, I suspect you'd see legislation sometime this week. Okay. The union did seem to be stuck, really stuck in here. Let's take a listen to union leader Rob Ashton. We played this yesterday. Let's play it again. We do not want the federal government to get involved in our business. We must force them to the table. We must tell them to come to the table. Okay. I would, not, I would, I would not want to be a scab crossing this guy's picket line. Okay. So let me... so. Given the fact that they seem dug in and they had a big rally, a bunch of other unions supporting mm-hmm. them, you know, and, and you get a mediator's recommendations, which I, I suspect they're, they're not going to say, oh, sure, we'll just take that. Doesn't that, doesn't that sort of create some, a new floor for more well, negotiations? Well, I don't think there's going to be any more negotiations. Because oh. uh, there's going to be either this recommendation uh, or, an imposed settlement. or this recommendation will turn into an imposed settlement. Oh, okay. I don't – I could be wrong. I mean um, – this is sort of an almost unprecedented situation. This is the longest port strike since the 1970s. Wow. The business community is rightly very fearful of the long-term impact here. So I don't see 
this going on for many more days. It's either going to end with acceptance of the mediation or um, look for Ottawa to um, bring Parliament back and impose the settlement. Okay, stay tuned on this one. We'll see what happens today. Let's talk about the uh, decision day looming for Mm -hmm. the policing situation in the city of Surrey. Do they keep the RCMP or do they keep going forward with the new Surrey Police Service? Now, this comment by David Eby that he made yesterday at this premier's meeting in Winnipeg, and this was on the Global News Hour last night, this really jumped out at a lot of people. Uh, Listen to him here talking about the RCMP in British Columbia. Okay, so for people who want to keep the Mounties in Surrey, listen to what he says here. And this is not going to be very encouraging for you if you're on the Mount Team Mounties here. Let's listen to David Eby yesterday. We don't see a clear uh, path from the federal government about uh, filling those vacancies. We have the largest uh, RCMP contract force in Canada. Uh, there's a clear direction from the Prime Minister to his public safety minister to start the conversation with premiers, the uh, contract as a whole is up uh, in the early 2030s, uh, and we need to know which direction the federal government is going with contract policing, uh, because the current situation is not sustainable for British Columbia. Okay, so not sustainable. That's the one where he said the key phrase: RCMP not sustainable. Not sustainable. Which what does again, this mean? Well, to me, it means that they're not going back to having the RCMP in Surrey. It, it just EB seems, to, and and he wasn't the only premier. Critical of the RCMP, Daniel Smith, Heather Steven, Daniel Smith in Alberta, Heather uh, Stephenson in Manitoba, Premier Higgins in, no- in New Brunswick. There seems to be rising unanimity among the premiers that the RCMP model is done, that it's not uh, uh, going to be the model going forward. So, given that, and given everything else I've heard from other officials in government, uh, I just don't see how the decision is to go back to the RCMP when the vacancies are not being filled. There every year. The RCMP graduates about 600 to 650 people from their um, uh, school depot in Regina. And every year, about 850 uh, Mounties retire. So the gap is 200 every year, each and every year. And so that the total number keeps growing. So based on all that, my, my conclusion is that they're going to go with the SPS when it's announced, and we expect that announcement next week. Yeah, well, that certainly seemed to... He seemed to tip his hand there a little bit when he talked about the RCMP not being su- sustainable. And this has been said before that the RCMP, the challenge is how do you how do you fill these vacancies that yeah. are right across the board? And uh, that Surrey, that Surrey. Now the other interesting thing here is as EB has seen the report from Surrey, he signed a non disclosure agreement. He's yeah. publicly announced that, so he's he's making these comments with the knowledge yeah. of what's yeah. in that report. Now he hasn't he hasn't broken the non the non-disclosure agreement but he's does have that knowledge and he's making these comments that this is an unsustainable situation yeah which to me says that means you don't go back to the rcmp you go with a different model okay so let's say that is the decision next week and i think you're bang on here and i suspect this is what may happen you may have you may have mike farnworth next week could make an announcement that it's the Surrey Police Service, and we're forcing it. We're forcing Surrey to go through with this bad. transition. Okay, that would be my now. And how does that work? Now, now that's a good question. How does that work? What What's uh, the next step after this? Um, Von Von Bomber was on with Simi this morning, and they had that conversation. What happens next? It's not entirely clear. I mean, this thing's been dragging on for four years now. Yeah. It's. I don't think a decision to go back to now to go with SPS because I think that's what they're going to do. I'm not sure that you, it's like flicking a light switch and everything's back to hunky-dory. I still think it seems to be a complicated situation. Could 
does Surrey have any plans, any cards left to play here? I mean, could Surrey Mayor Brenda Locke go to court? She's been asked that. Jazz Johal asked her that. She's uh, non-committal on this. Um, or does she just say, fine, you know, I gave it my best shot to stick up with the RCMP. You, you wear the problem now going forward with all any vacancies, whether it's SPS or the remaining uh, Surrey detachment of the RCMP. Okay, we're following that one closely. Get set to call me on it here. Let's, here's another interesting comment by EB yesterday about electricity demand in, in British Columbia, especially with big LNG projects underway, uh, growing population, more demands on the system. Uh, listen to what he said here yesterday about British Columbia's electricity uh, needs and whether we can meet them. Have a listen. I am not at all confident uh, that our province is uh, is on track to provide the level of electricity needed. Thoughts? Well, it's it's interesting. Site C is going to come online, I think, in next year or the year after. Yeah. But even that is not enough power to satisfy the requirements because, as you mentioned, uh, rapidly increasing population. So the demand for electricity growth is phenomenal. Electricity is needed to, f- to um, fuel the fuel transition of power to get off of fossil fuels, more solar panels, wind farms and such. Everything has to be electrified. Uh, Hydro's got a power call out next year, the first time in 15 years. So there's uh, there are going to be some independent power producers that are going to be brought in. Um, many uh, a growing number of wind farms and solar farms because that's now cheaper to build than it was 10 years ago. But every premier at that conference, well, pretty well every premier, at the premier expressed similar concerns about this push to, for electrification yeah. right across the board as Canada and the provinces try to meet these targets of reducing fossil fuels means you need clean power. And you need electricity, and it's not entirely clear how that's going to be produced. We, got the, we, got the net, want... we have the net zero mandate yeah. for emissions reduction. We've got the 100% new electric vehicle sales uh, looming as well in, in the years outlying years. So where is all this power yeah, supposed to come from? Where is all the power supposed to come from at a time when power demand is increasing like never before? Yeah. Okay, real quickly, play one more clip of David Eby here. Here he is criticizing the interest rate hike yesterday by the Bank of Canada. Let's listen. You really do have to wonder... Uh, uh, when the Bank of Canada is going to take a pause and see what the impact of this is going to be. We haven't seen the full impact yet. People have not renewed their mortgages yet. Uh, and uh, the businesses that are struggling under debt uh, have uh, have not started going under yet, but they will. I thought that was an interesting point there, that we've had all these rate hike increases, and then he's saying, well, wait a sec, why don't you wait a sec, why don't you wait a little while to see the flow through? There's yeah. a lag after you raise these rates. Your yeah, no, there's concern, uh, particularly on mortgages. Um, the the difference, uh, John Wall, a reporter last night, had a great uh, presentation of showing the difference between what the rate was a few years ago yeah. and what it is now in terms of your monthly payments. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's adding, you know, $1,000, $2,000 a month to Crazy. people's more, um, and the, the cash flow for many people just can't absorb that. So the concern is uh, hopefully we don't have people underwater with their mortgages, particularly when, you know, people are buying a million-dollar home and not putting down, you know, more than 200000 carrying a seven hundred, eight hundred thousand dollars $800,000 mortgage, a rate hike like this, it does have an impact. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's go right to your phone calls here. Brian and Surrey. Hi, Brian. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, uh, Mike and Keith. Uh, I hope Keith's predictions are correct and uh, we finally get this thing settled. Having just paid my taxes on the 4th there, I look back at last year's. Mine went up 15.9%, and we haven't even delved into what this is going to cost us. I wish we had a Brad West over here. My second comment was on David Eby and his comment about the Bank of Canada rate. Um, some very interesting insight. Yet there's no um, talk at all about uh, sorry BC and the highest carbon tax prices we have here and the highest gas prices we have here, and them going to do absolutely nothing uh, about that and the impact that has on everybody. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. good point. Thank you. Yeah, well, the carbon tax isn't going anywhere. Um, Except up. Yeah, and I think <laughs> other provinces are sort of resigned to that, that the carbon tax is now part of life. The gas tax is a big component of, of what you pay at the pump is, of course, taxation. And you pay for, in, in Metro Vancouver, you pay more in tax than you and I do, Mike, over yeah. here in the capital, because yeah. we're not paying for TransLink. We're right. paying for the capital um, transit, which is much smaller. I think we're six cents a liter. As opposed to, it's been a while since I did a cast tax story, but I think it's not like 15 cents over yeah. there. So. Um, and you've got different taxes as well. The call has long been relax some of the taxes. Yeah. Uh, the counter argument of that, well, if you do that, the gas companies just increase their prices on, on their own with to fill in the gap. Now, wait a second, though. When he's talking about uh, taxes in the city of Surrey, go back to the policing thing for a minute. Right now, there's like a, a firefight going on between Brenda Locke and this new Surrey Police Service. Of course, she wants to keep the RCMP. And her primary argument is if you force us to go to this new Surrey Police Force, it's going to jack up taxes in Surrey. She said it would it'd be 10%, 10% increase next year just for the policing alone. Yeah, so, so then you got you got to lard everything else on top of that. So there's a lot of numbers been flying around for years on this. Predictions this way, predictions that way. And no one trusts each other's math. So, again, you've got Foreign Words Ministry has been cr- crunching the numbers. And you also remember the, the government's got that $150 million on the table to, to pay for transition costs. So not sure if that would uh, lessen the tax increase that would come with uh, a decision one way or another. Kathy and Langley. Hi, Kathy. Go ahead. Hi there, boys. I just wanted to say the following. Imagine if Mike Farmworth comes out next week and says, not only are we going with Surrey Police, but we're now no, no longer going to renew any contract with the RCMP in the province based on David Evie's comments. I think that's the way they're going to go. Well, you know, it's interesting. Again, I'll go back to the point. It's not just Evie. We've got other premiers there speak. And Danielle Smith's already served notice. She, they want to get rid of the RCMP right. contract, yeah. too. She, you know, yeah. So BC's not the only one having issues with the RCMP. Nova Scotia, the shooting inquiry there, um, they've got troubles with the RCMP. You've got... Four premiers yesterday expressing, I think five premiers, uh, expressing concerns about the federal government's silence on what the, the next uh, RCMP contract is going to look like. And the feds have been signaling for years that they want to get out of that type of policing. And the provinces are sensing this as well, which is why I think you're seeing premiers, not just EB, talking about different uh, police models. So you had an all-party committee here in B.C., 
recommend a provincial police force. Right. You know, so you've got all party buy-in to changing the police model, and that means moving away from the RCMP. Yeah. So I think I think the caller raises a very good point. Mike in Surrey. Hi, Mike. Go ahead. Hey guys, uh, what exciting times in Surrey! It's going to be great for you pundits next week when all this comes yeah. down. But I'm starting to like David Eby. He's starting to come up with some very sensible things, whether it's on the uh, interest rate hikes or whether it's on the Surrey policing. And I think maybe what's going to happen is that he's going to say that no municipal uh, renewals of the RCMP will occur, but the rural renewals just uh, just might. You know, and I suspect that we're going to see a bit more money for us Surrey residents because. 150 million may not cut it over the next four years as they try to fill all those gaps with the Surrey Police Service. Well, thank you, thank you, Michael. Brenda Locke says it's not going to. Brenda Locke says 150 million is not going to cut it. 30 seconds. Yeah, again, the government has signaled it doesn't believe Locke's math on a number of fronts, so I think that's an argument that will just be ongoing. But the caller is a good point. Rural policing may be, remain the jurisdiction of the RCMP. The government's already signaled that there's funding for rural officers, but moving out of suburban and urban detachments, I think, is likely.